1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Medifarm Lab's first quarter financial earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please limit to two questions and then re-queue. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Laura Lapore, Vice President, Investor
0: Relations. Thank you, please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on our first quarter 2020 earnings conference call. With me on the call today are Pat McCutcheon, Chief Executive Officer, Bobby Kwan, Chief Financial Officer, and Keith Strawn, our President. Before we begin, please note the following caution respecting forward-looking statements, which is made on behalf of MediFarm Labs and all its representatives on the call. The statements made on this call today will contain forward-looking information that involves risks and uncertainties, including those introduced by the COVID-19 pandemic. Actual results could differ materially from a conclusion forecast or projection in the forward-looking information. Certain material factors or assumptions were applied in drawing a conclusion or making a forecast or projection as reflected in the forward looking information. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from the conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward looking information, and the material factors or assumptions that were applied in drawing a conclusion or making a forecast or projection as reflected in the forward looking information, are contained in Medifarm farm labs filings with the Canadian Provincial Securities Regulator, which are available on the CDAR website at www.cedarcom Now, with that, it's my pleasure to turn the call over to Pat.
2: Thanks, Laura, and good morning, everyone. To begin, I have never been more optimistic and energized about the significant opportunities ahead for Medifarm Labs in the global cannabis market. We are executing against an ambitious but focused, multi-pronged, multi-year strategy that will position Medifarm Labs as a top global player. Our focus on product innovation, execution, and good manufacturing practices, GMP, and our deep pharma industry experience is driving our business, creating further separation and advantages over our competitors globally. Last week, we announced our decision to bolster MPL's balance sheet and liquidity by completing a $37.8 million private placement with a committed institutional investor during a period of economic uncertainty due to the global pandemic. We are now better positioned than ever with a strong balance sheet. We know there is still a lot of work to do, however, the platform we invested in and built for tomorrow's Canadian market, and more importantly, international markets opening up, is also the foundation that will drive our next wave of profitable, sustainable global growth. I'll talk about the next phase of our strategy and execution in a moment. Turning to Q1, first quarter results reflected very challenging conditions in the Canadian cannabis marketplace. There is no doubt this weighed heavily on our performance. However, we took several countermeasures to address these current realities, which I will highlight. Q1 revenue was $11.1 million, 49% below last year due to lower overall volumes of bulk sales to contract and spot customers. This also included one dishonored contract that is subject to ongoing litigation. We also saw lower pricing. We flagged these market dynamics on our last call, as you may remember. Putting this in perspective, our results last year were mostly from one market, Canada. Our sales were from one primary product, bulk cannabis extract. And we sold to newer, less sophisticated cannabis companies finding their way in a new industry. We are extremely pleased to be one of the very few Canadian cannabis companies to be profitable in our first year. This was no small feat. As expected with any new market, there were underlying growing pains that emerged in the Canadian market, which were also heightened and exacerbated by COVID-19. LPE manufacturers are unable to convert bulk concentrate into finished consumer products at scale. This is just a fact. Add to this, there has been an agonizingly slow rollout of cannabis stores in Ontario. Canada's largest market. Complications from COVID-19 pandemic are expected to further extend this issue with slower construction and opening of stores, even once licensed. Adding all of this together, too few manufacturers being able to create cannabis 2.0 products, too small retail distribution network, and slower than expected entry by larger pharma and CPG, we ended up with an overabundance of bulk resin and split in the market. This created significant downward pressure in our pricing and volumes and resulted in lower Q1 revenues and margins for MPL Canada. I remind you that our vision has never been to rely solely on LPs or the direct consumer Canadian market, but to be ready for the global medical and pharmaceutical markets, which I'll get into in a moment. Before I do, I'll share the countermeasures we had started positioning for last year to deal with these realities. Some impacted q1 and some will have greater impact in q2 and beyond first we accelerated our finished good production to represent significantly more of our revenues diversified growth going forward we achieved this seamlessly because of the significant investments we started last year to our platform adding flexibility and capabilities for example our large vape lines new and enhanced formulated oils and exciting topicals By the end of Q1, we had successfully launched three new white-label SKUs of Cannabis 2.0 products across five provinces. So far in Q2, we've launched an additional eight SKUs in the vape and formulated oil segments, for a total of 13 SKUs since December. We're expanding our finished goods manufacturing and distribution that will lead to increased sell-through of bulk concentrate inventory into the consumer market. Second, we recorded a $12.7 million non-cash adjustments to our cannabis inventory to reflect net-reliable value. This will enable us to make our products more competitive. In hindsight, our procurement forecast for inventory was overly optimistic. To be frank, I'm not sure anyone could have foreseen the challenges that so abruptly shifted market realities several months ago. We stocked up to ensure that we could deliver as promised to our customers, as we always do. Third, we broadened our Canadian client base with new strategic agreements, adding Avicana, a biopharmaceutical company originating in Johnson & Johnson's Toronto Innovation Incubator, J-Labs, and Argentia Gold, a leading regional LP with unique distribution advantages to our roster, moves that will diversify and add significant revenue. We also launched our supply of highly anticipated Ace Valley vapes, a white labeled brand line, to multiple provinces in late May.
3: Fourth,
2: we accelerated the launch of our own MPL-branded wellness products and shipped topicals to a contract manufacturing customer. We are also scaling up several new product formats, including high-demand isolates. Fifth, and as you know, we added a very important new channel to the Canadian medical market, having been selected by Shoppers Drug Mart to supply high-quality concentrate products to medical patients through the National Medical Cannabis by Shoppers online platform. Shoppers have been extremely pleased with the pace of sales of our vapes and formulated oils. They have performed ahead of expectations and we are on third replenishment order after selling out of multiple SKUs. Finally, we cut SG&A expenses in our Canadian operation in Q1 and Q2. We recognize that the issues affecting the industry will not be resolved overnight. We know that there will be continued uncertainty due to the impact of COVID-19 on the economy and the slow pace of Canadian cannabis retail development. For many in the Canadian industry, it is a survival of the fittest moment. For us, we are built to survive and ready to grow sustainably. Long term growth and value creation will also come as we execute in our strategy to penetrate much larger international medicinal, wellness, and adult use markets. Multiple markets providing multiple products to multiple customers. From day one, this has been our vision, and we have prudently deployed capital to make it a reality. We are now on the verge of seeing our investments in this strategy pay off, especially in the large pharmaceutical space where our GMP certified capabilities are exceedingly attractive. A major turning point for us was reached in early May when our new Australian facility secured its GMP certification and licensed to manufacture therapeutic goods. This is a major catalyst in our evolving globalization strategy. This groundbreaking achievement means MPL now has two GMP certified production facilities in two of the largest legal markets, Canada and Australia. This is also what sets us far apart from any of our Canadian extraction peers and most LPs. This gives us the ability, often through mutual recognition arrangements among participating regulatory authorities in the 53 PICS countries in the field of GMP to enter into Asian Pacific, European, and Latin American new medical markets. Already, we have entered into relationships with customers in New Zealand, Australia, UK, and Europe. Let me give you some details. In late April, we announced two supply agreements with New Zealand-based producers and distributors Helios Therapeutics and Canna South Limited to bring pharmaceutical-quality GMP-certified oil products to this new medical market. On May 15th, our Australian team secured our very first UK supply deal with Cannery Limited, That will see us deliver, again from our Australian operation, a range of cannabis oil products. Cannery is a leading UK-based medical cannabis and CBD lifestyle product company that chose MPL over our competition because of our GMP certified capabilities. These arrangements and other recently secured multi-year deals with companies such as Burley Head Cannabis and Compass Clinics in Australia will fuel future growth. In fact, we expect to commence international sales of GMP-certified products in the second half of 2020. As we ramp up to fulfill new orders, I've been very impressed by the significant progress our team has made converting a robust pipeline of new customer demand into a solid, diversified international portfolio of business. Very unique in the global cannabis market. This is the moment we've worked so hard to achieve. We will see revenue from these customers under our vision later this year and growing into next year and beyond. We've already made good use of our two country GMP platform and internal supply chain. In June, we completed a finished goods shipment of 35,000 GMP certified units in addition to a significant volume of bulk oil to be manufactured into end products. This was done from MPL Barrie to MPL Australia under approved import export licenses. The first of many, and another point of clear differentiation relative to our peers. The flexibility we've achieved in manufacturing absolutely strengthens our hand by giving us import-export optionality that we did not have before. And it's just the start of our next phase of international growth. And with that, I'll turn it over to Bobby to provide his report before I return with final thoughts. Thanks, Pat,
3: and good morning, everyone. Let me begin my remarks by echoing Pat and saying that while we had a soft start to the year and Q1 results clearly not where we want to be, we've made excellent progress in many areas of the business that will set us up for sustainable growth in the future. From my past experiences with large multinational companies like Unilever and J&J Pharmaceuticals, both in Canada as well as US and Europe, I'm confident Medifarm's approach to creating a global company Longevity is the right one. Working with the leadership team, we are actively building critical capabilities and executing on key priorities that will support us through this next phase in our evolution. Looking closer at Q1, our results are reflective of a transition we are undergoing as we evolve and grow into our leading global platform and expand product offerings to deal with the structural reality playing out in the Canadian cannabis market as described by Pat earlier. Despite the realities of the domestic market further hindered by the economic uncertainty due to COVID-19, we are moving forward with a position of strength and flexibility underpinned by our balance sheet. In addition to $21 million in cash and equivalents we reported at the end of first quarter this year, on June 8th, we were pleased to have completed a private placement offering with gross proceeds of 37.8 million dollars one half of which remains in escrow subject to shareholder approval in early august this capital will enable us to continue to fund key initiatives that support growth as we navigate near-term market turbulence operationally we're building on our cannabis 2.0 capabilities to create new product formats and offerings that will help us diversify revenue streams in Canada. As a global active pharmaceutical ingredient or API supplier, we're also investing in our international platform to drive growth from increased exports and international sales. Moving to Q1 financial results, revenue came in at $11.1 million, 49% below $22 million in Q1 of last year, primarily due to lower volumes of wholesale bulk oil, including one dishonor contract, and lower average selling prices, as we continue to experience wholesale pricing compression broadly in line with the Canadian adult use market. In part, the price compression is reflective of an increasing proportion of our domestic bulk oil sales to spot customers, whereby in Q1 2020, spot sales made up 58% of total domestic bulk sales compared to 46% in Q4 and 24% in Q1 of last year. Similar dynamics drove the revenue decline compared to Q4 2019. White label product sales, which comprised 13% of quarterly revenue, were up from nil in the fourth quarter of 2019. We expect to see this trend to continue with the positive mo- momentum we're seeing following the launch of our Medifarm branded and white label 2.0 products. Quarter one gross profit before inventory write-down was $1.9 million compared to $6.9 million in Q1 2019. Gross margin before the inventory write-down as a percent of revenue was 17% compared to 31% in Q1 last year. The 14-point drop was a result of lower average selling prices coupled with the impact of fixed production costs spread over lower volumes, partially offset by lower dried flour input costs. Turning to operating expenses, for Q1 2020, operating expenses excluding share-based compensation was $8.3 million compared to $3 million in Q1 last year. The delta reflects the company's initial ramp-up through its early phase of operations. On a more comparative basis with Q4 2019, operating expenses excluding share-based compensation in Q1 was essentially flat to quarter 4 2019 underlying SG&A or selling general and admin expenses were nearly $1 million lower in quarter one 2020 compared to quarter four 2019 as a result of tighter spend control, cost saving measures and lower T&E due to COVID. This lower SG&A spend was offset by strategic investments in R&D to support innovation and new product development. As a result of the factors we've discussed, Adjusted EBITDA in the first quarter amounted to a loss of $5.7 million compared to positive $4.3 million a year ago. On a net income before tax basis, Q1 loss was $22 million compared to a loss of $300,000 in Q1 2019. Accounts receivables at quarter end was $24.8 million, comprised mostly of trade receivables for B2B customers. But with an increasing amount to provincial distributors and retailers, reflecting our diversification efforts. In terms of past due amounts, excluding the one customer we are in legal litigation with, the total amount of past due was $2.7 million, which has all been collected with approximately only $200,000 remaining as of today. As noted earlier, we took a non cash inventory write down to net realizable value in the amount of $12.8 million, reflecting the continued price compression we are seeing in our bulk business. We continue to be disciplined in our inventory management by better aligning procurement to demand while keeping a sharp eye on our cash. In Q1 2020, we purchased 11% less dry flour compared to last quarter, following an even larger reduction of nearly 50% in Q4 versus Q3 of last year. Looking ahead, whilst we expect many of the same dynamics experienced in Q1 to persist into Q2, exacerbated to a degree by COVID-19's impact, we are on a solid path forward. We've made excellent progress to accelerate and diversify our growth as a provider of medicinal, wellness, and adult-use products, not only in Canada, but much more broadly around the world through our multi-jurisdictional GMP-certified manufacturing footprint. Since the early part of this year, cash preservation and liquidity have become front and center objectives for the business. We've achieved cost saving and will continue to pursue additional cost containment initiatives going forward, but not at the expense of our profitable growth trajectory. In terms of future capital expenditures, we have deferred or halted lower-priority capital projects. However, we continue to prioritize capital investments that support new product launches, investments in R&D, clinical trials, and the commercialization of our Australian facility. Finally, I would like to highlight the tremendous progress the team is making on implementing our SAP ERP solution, one of our added critical capabilities. This has been a huge undertaking for a company our size, but a necessary one that will support our ambitious business goals going forward. Now back to Pat for summary comments.
2: Thanks, Bobby. I'd like to thank Bobby and the entire team for closing the private placement during this pandemic period. Bobby has added great strength to our bench with his large cap company pedigree. He has been integral in assisting us as we evolve our strategic priorities towards achieving our goals as a focused pharmaceutical global player. Before concluding, I'll quickly highlight our top priorities for growth and why I'm more confident than ever in our future. First priority, we are accelerating and moving faster on expanding our own MPL cannabis brands and launching multiple white label products for deeper and more diverse market penetration. We are executing on multiple streams of revenue. Strategically, having our own brand introduces a new component to our revenue to complement our traditional white label business. There is also inherent value in retail brands if they are differentiated, which ours most certainly are. Our second priority is to expand our international business. We will be selling into multiple jurisdictions from our two platforms. We are securing our EU GMP certification specifically from German health authorities that will allow us to sell medical cannabis oil products directly from Canada to European jurisdictions. We are focused on expanding our distribution network throughout Asia Pacific markets, and Latin America, where Brazil presents one of the world's greatest growth opportunities. And finally, we're commercializing our Australian facility. Our third priority is the negotiation of new supply agreements with large pharmaceutical companies and participation in additional clinical trials. Stay tuned for these exciting new partnerships. In summary, we are now able to manufacture multiple products in adult use recreation, wellness, and medicinal. We are growing our client roster to have multiple customers who rely on us for high-quality industry-leading products. And we are now able to serve multiple jurisdictions because of our GMP certification. Multiple products, multiple customers, multiple jurisdictions. The power of our platform, the momentum in our business, and the strength of our world-class management team gives me incredible confidence. We are well on track to capture the major global growth opportunities that are already in front of us. I'd like to thank our employees for staying extremely focused through the disruptions of COVID-19 and thank our fellow shareholders and customers for your continued confidence. I believe that confidence is well-placed as our business model has been stress tested through one of the most difficult economic and market environments on record, and we are most definitely stronger for it. Thank you so much for standing with us through these short-term headwinds as we mature into a major global cannabis pharmaceutical company. Now, we'd like to answer your questions. Operator, could you please open the lines to our callers?
1: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please limit to two questions, and if you have follow-up, please requeue. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile a Q&A roster. And our first question comes from the line of Scott Fortune from Roth Capital. Your line is open. Good
4: morning, and thank you for uh, the opportunity for questions here. Um, obviously, you know, the Canadian market, the 2.0 market's been very slow to roll out, and you're seeing that it kind of in the channel side of things. But uh, I just wanted to kind of focus on your your new initiatives, the, the new in-house uh, high-quality products that you can provide. Can you provide additional color on potential new product offerings and channel expansion for that brand's? Um, you know, in light of the uh, of the you know the tough Canadian market and, and kind of sense for the second half of, of Canada uh, 2.0 market kind of uh, opening up here for retail side things.
2: Thanks so much, Scott. It's Pat here. <clears throat> I'll start and then I'll actually probably uh, pass the end uh, of the question for to Keith for a little more color. But uh, the fact of the matter is, we've launched a number of new skus as you mentioned in the uh, in the earnings call. Uh, we're really putting a lot of resources behind uh, enhancement of not only our number of manufacturing lines, but also volume uh, for our vape lines with numerous SKUs launching for a number of partners as well as our own line of SKUs. Uh, we're also just launched now a, a topical line uh, where we've done our first delivery to uh, to shoppers uh, with a, with another uh, country manufacturing partner. Uh, we feel that the topical uh, element or, or section of the actual uh, wellness products in the recreational market are a great opportunity for us, and uh, we're, ex- we're expanding those lines to include a number of uh, follow-on SKUs in the topical area. Uh, we've also added now uh, a number of new clients, as mentioned, uh, for uh, unique and, uh, and differentiated uh, formulations with our tincture bottle lines for a number of different uh, medical and wellness categories in the provincial and medical channels. Uh, and we've actually just uh, we've uh, we've positioned ourselves now in moving away from the the, uh, significant amount portion of of our sales from last year being one product with the bulk extract and distillate now to these Multiple lines where we are also excited to actually now move these uh, multiple new products off our platform on the heels of our GMP certification uh, into new international uh, jurisdictions, starting with Australia, as we mentioned, with uh, with sending those that, that initial load of 35,000 uh, final package t- tincture bottles. Uh, and I'll pass over to Keith for just a couple more points on this one.
5: Morning, Scott. Uh, Keith here. So, uh, as Pat mentioned, uh, really focused on uh, multiple products and diversifying that portfolio uh, away from just that single product bulk. So. We've been working hard on the MPL side of our own brands. Uh, we're sticking in the health and wellness and medical side, as, as that you know fits with uh, Medipharm Labs for global uh, distribution. So we're looking at those as far as channel dis- dis- uh, diversification goes. We're really looking at those uh, global um, opportunities, and some of that comes through innovative products. So where we have our R&D team. Uh, our world-class R&D team working on things like uh, THC products, uh, THC-free products that could actually move into other jurisdictions a little bit easier. I think that's the type of um, work that we're doing now that really is going to help see that revenue diversification uh, going forward.
4: Okay, no, I appreciate the color. And then second question, follow-up uh, for me is on the international supply. Congrats on, on new supply agreements. Um looks like the Australian market's opening up. But um, how quickly um, are you seeing sales potentially here in the second quarter? Obviously, second-half strength there. But, you know, you mentioned negotiations with potentially larger uh, clinical trials or, or pharmaceutical players coming on board. Um, kind of... Step us through what the second half can look like as far as the the international or the global revenue side and and any timing on the uh, EU GMP certification here.
2: Yeah, so this is one of the most exciting pieces of our, our opportunity going into the latter half of the year. Uh, with our international business, as we've seen a number of uh, disclosed new partnerships between uh, Australia and New Zealand, uh, a number in Europe now, uh, as well as UK. Uh, this is an exciting part of our business where a number of, 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 uh, of additional contracts, obviously, with longer-term periods, uh, with significant increased margin relative to the uh, distribution opportunities in Canada between the, uh, the rec- recreational side and medical uh, in these international jurisdictions. Uh, we've really taken advantage of our GMP certification in Canada as well as in Australia uh, and actually the way that we're, we're executing on this strategy is, is purchasing product from Canada, extracting that product, certifying it, sending it to Australia for distribution uh, into these other, these other areas, namely New Zealand and we're starting with uh, two contracts uh, into Germany and UK, all from our Australian platform. Uh, with regards to uh, EU GMP certification, uh, we were expecting to have a, an audit actually inspection recently. Uh, we've passed a number of pre-inspections already and we're prepared for this uh, and we're pushing actually for a virtual inspection. Uh, however, at this point, uh, the, the German regulatory actually is not doing any other inspections, uh, which is uh, in essence a challenge for our ability to move product from Canada into uh, Europe directly. However, it's also uh, somewhat of an advantage for us because uh, with our Australian uh, platform and our ability to move products from Australia into different regions of Europe, uh, it actually gives us kind of a, a, a secondary option which is current right now to access these different markets and actually gives us an advantage uh, because the German market is not uh, approving any other uh, new LPs to do such a, such a uh, distribution um, strategy. Um, and you yeah. that.
5: no, That's great, Pat. I think that, that, um, um, just to add on to that, Scott, just pulling out of your question there around large pharma, and, and Pat mentioned that in the call, and really we're finally seeing uh, large pharma more and more in the space. I think a couple of years ago we saw a couple smaller R&D type contracts, but now we're seeing uh, some bigger ones even with some news out of the United States yesterday. Uh, we're having a lot of those conversations Uh, most of them international based and really what it comes down to is when a large pharmaceutical company comes to Medifarm what they see is a mirror of what they're used to in their own manufacturing space so what we have is you know professionals that come from the pharmaceutical world whether that's uh, GSK or Eli Lilly or Apotex or Purdue that are now running the Medifarm labs um, you know world-class operation so when they come in and they see things like a quality management system um, that is the same as a uh, pharmaceutical lab or they see an SAP that's running um, at the same level as a pharmaceutical company. It just gives them that uh, comfort and the cohesion for us to, to work together on future contracts. So we're working hard on those. A lot of them are international based. A lot of those um, meetings have moved to, to more virtual in the last couple months, but uh, we're getting excited to uh, get some more news prepared
6: in the second half of the year and, and see some of that come to fruition. Thanks.
1: Okay. And our next question comes from the line of David Kadekel from AltaCorp. Your line is open.
6: Thank you. Uh, congrats, everybody, on the quarter here. I want to dig a little uh, deeper here with uh, international revenues, uh, maybe for, for this Q2 moving forward and also for the back half of the year, given that we're almost done with Q2 anyway, a couple of weeks to go. So I'm just wondering, uh, if you can provide any guidance with respect to what you think the next quarter is going to look like when it comes to maybe segment, when you're segmenting different customers of yours, uh, whether that's international uh, within the MPL labs, we're going to white label within Canada. What, how should we be thinking about the percentage split of revenues coming from uh, various uh, business segments? Or do you think it's largely still Canada and uh, international pharmaceutical um, and, and those uh, more aspirational parts of the business are still maybe on the back half of this year.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, David. I'm actually just going to pass this to to Bobby first to start and uh, and then to Keith actually to add uh, the final color of the answers.
3: Thanks so much. Hey, good morning, David. Thanks for your question. Um, with respect to product mix, I mean, um, you know, the way the market is continuing to evolve this sort of trend Uh, will continue to evolve and develop in Canada more towards sort of the finished goods side of it domestically. And that's obviously, as you know, a function of how the retail distribution channels and everything else will open up and how quickly and extensively the consumers sort of come into the market. But with that backdrop, you know, to answer your question with respect to the international side, uh, again, with all those sort of uh, growth catalysts that Keith and, and, and Pat alluded to, That will gradually ramp up, and certainly we are working actually quite aggressively to push that pace uh, for lots of different reasons, one being, you know, medical focus, it's higher margin. Uh, We certainly have the advantage of our two platforms, Barry and Australia, to take advantage of these different jurisdictions. But to give you a precise sort of pinpoint as to how that curve will come, uh, honestly, I think I would be, you know, sort of remiss not to give you so sort of that you know precision because it doesn't exist but uh, you know suffice to say it'll be a little bit sort of you know up and down but gradually certainly uh, pushing towards a, a greater share of our portfolio and if i step by zoom out rather than sort of closer in uh you know i wouldn't it would not be out of the sort of realm of possibility that we could see international sort of balancing uh towards that sort of uh, i would say maybe a quarter a third of the portfolio as we possibly exit and into next year, but again, that is subject to uh, lots and lots of different variables. So um, uh, hopefully, that gives you a little bit of color.
5: Yeah, thanks, Bob. And just hey, David, just to add to that, um, you know, really excited about international, and, and that's why we we've, we've invested so much in this GMP platform uh, to be ready uh, as those come. We actually have a lot of contracted. Uh, agreements for international business. Um, as I know we've talked about in the past the process is still a little bit lumpy uh, being brand new international market there's a lot of permitting so for example we'll, someone will send us an import permit which will take some time on their end we send that to Health Canada which takes some time on our end so there's a little bit of lumpiness uh, in the delivery especially at the beginning until we get the cadence going in these contracts but a lot of these agreements are already in place the key for us is is building to the highest global standard, so that as new medical markets come online, we're prepared to jump right away. Uh, a great example of this is in Brazil, um, could be you know a massive market for medical cannabis. Um, they've opened up registration uh, just a couple weeks ago for products. You um, know, number one qualifier for the registration is that you have uh, GMP from at least a PIC nation. So. By us having that Pix Nation GMP from the TGA out of Australia, automatically puts us into an opportunity where we can, with only about probably a handful of other producers in the whole world, where we can compete in such a massive market. So as we see more countries come online and they're doing more of the um, uh, copy approach on some of that, then I think that that makes uh, a big difference for us, kind of being ready to fit that legislation and then back to kind of you know big pharma looking at the space um these companies are all international so the more jurisdictions that we can uh qualify for and be in it really helps qualify us for uh those relationships as well It really makes it worth their effort and, and return on investment to be um,
6: distributed in all the countries they already in with their other products okay thanks That's very helpful um my, my other question is moving a little bit here well, we saw a really big announcement from Willow Biosciences yesterday, a biosynthetic company. Um, and not only are they going to be able to expedite timelines, but I think more importantly, they've, they're going to be able to manufacture biosynthetically uh, for rare cannabinoids. So given that Medifarm Labs, you know, highly focused on pharmaceuticals, um, I'm wondering, given that you're a plant-based company, not in biosynthetics, um, but ha- do you number one are your conversations focused at all whether it's CPG or uh, pharma or whether that's big pharma or not number one Are they focused on um, uh, rare cannabinoids um, And number two, do you have uh, any discussions uh, as it relates to any sort of biosynthetic capability that many pharma, uh, w- Would have preference for say over a plant or not? Thank you I yeah, think David, I think that you
5: know uh, it's great to see advancements in the space, uh, including what's happening on the synthetics and, and biosynthetic uh, fields, and, and we're watching that closely. As someone who hasn't uh, invested in any cultivation, we're obviously able to, to um, play in those as, uh, as they come up uh, a lot more in the, in the, probably the medical space, as, as you said, in, in the pharmaceuticals, so we really built our platform on being, um, you know, the formulation, fill, uh, and product production. So there is an opportunity where we could see uh, biosynthetics or um, uh, chemical synthetic actually being used as an input, but uh, the farms pharma- on the pharmaceutical side and, and that medical, I'll get Pat to add a little bit more.
2: Yeah, thanks David. I think yeah, we, we actually touched on this in, in the past. Uh, one of the things that we're really excited to do is uh, launching uh, our, our clinical trial portfolio or a number of different therapeutic areas. Uh, and Each one of these trials actually we're looking at putting multiple arms. Uh, one of the arms, or, or a segment of the arms will be focused on a bio-based formulation, uh, biologically extracted cannabinoids, but also we're looking at combinations, uh, formulations as well as then independent synthetic formulations as well that have a unique formulation that would enhance actually the defendability of, of patent opportunities down the path. Uh, a number of these trials that we're looking at uh, are already actually using uh, sort of the products that we have commercialized. So it's actually it's a unique strategy, and, and and working with the with the uniqueness of the cannabis industry, where we actually can put in products that are already commercialized, already creating and showing revenue for our platforms globally, uh, and then looking at how those products actually stand up. Uh, two different synthetics in some of these trials that, uh, that we're going to be uh, launching a number of phases of disclosure over the next couple of months. But uh, uh, it's a very interesting category, and we feel that uh, it's very important to look at the differentiation between uh, the full spectrum uh, biological uh, based cannabinoid formulations versus synthetic, and then also uh, what combination therapies could look like. So it's a very exciting element of how we're going to look to the future uh, for opportunities to, for new
1: patents in this space.
6: Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you and congrats on your quarter again. Thanks so much, David.
1: Our next question comes from the line of Adam Buckham from Scotiabank. Your line is open. Good
7: morning, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, so, I just want to dig a little more on David's first question, but more so on bulk extract. You know, the magnitude in private label decline, Q over Q, is somewhat surprising even knowing about the current headwinds in the market you guys have some contracts in that spectrum, so I'm just wondering if you can provide some color around Q120 versus Q419 in terms of contracted revenue and what the current uh, dynamics are in that market in Q220.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Adam. i uh, are just going to start off the, with answering that question with Bobby to uh, take the lead, and then, uh, then I can add actually some color to a couple of different elements of, in terms of future strategy.
3: Thanks, Adam. Uh, good morning. Thanks for your question. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the decline with respect to the bulk sales is again tracing to those dynamics that you're well aware of. Um, in terms of uh, sort of the number of long-term sort of contracted um, uh, uh, sales that we had, just to give you a little bit of color, you know, in Q4 19, we had across I think from memory about six contracted uh, customers that took in volume, and that declined to in in the case with a couple of the contracts sort of coming to a natural conclusion for no other reason. And I guess uh, in light of the market dynamics that, you know, even they were seeing, um, they didn't uh, exercise their sort of optional component of it. So when you play that out in Q1 against around sort of purely six contracted customer sales, in Q1 was around, was half, so three, three contracted customers. So that, you know, that sort of plays into, again, the dynamics we're seeing. With respect to um, uh, looking forward into Q2, I mean, again, I think it will be more in line with um, sort of uh, what we saw in Q1 in terms of the number of contract customers, not necessarily the volumes. Um, And uh, I would say, you know, without sounding as if I'm making an excuse in Q1 uh, for the one customer, you know, that we're in litigation with uh, had that contract being honored, Uh, uh, it would have obviously softened uh, the the reduction we saw in quarter one as reported. And um, it was a material amount in sort of the several million dollar range. So, um, you know, that that dynamic will play out in Q2 uh, going forward. But um, uh, we're we're working busy, as you know, in terms of trying to diversify that revenue stream uh, because that is a structural reality in the Canadian domestic market with respect to the uh, bulk sales. And that's why we're aggressively and prudently uh, pushing out on new, new product development, new channels, we've got more boots on the ground with sales, coverage and activation to drive that. So it's a it's, it's classic scenario where we're in this transition period, trying to manage uh, the portfolio shift in a way that is sustainable and, um, and going forward to be protected.
2: Thanks thanks so much for that, Bobby. Just to to add a couple points, one of the things I'll also mention that uh, as much as we've had a challenge with our one client, uh, what we've done with the, the, the rest of our clients is actually now further build and enhance our relationships to now focus on assisting them with actually moving uh, Bulk product into end products that they're targeting in, in, new, sex, in, in new segments of the, the uh, wellness, uh, recreational, as well as actually the medical side. Uh, we feel this is really important to kind of protect the, the longevity and sustainability, uh, sustainability of these relationships with some of our larger partners. Uh, and many farm labs have been able to create a great complementary uh, partnership as to, uh, as to some of the strategies that are, that are continually evolving with some of our larger vertically integrated players. Uh, Also, as I I mentioned before, and I think we're signaling it quite well through the the earnings call, is that uh, with the addition of of these new international contracts and our ability to navigate now the uh, the international global uh, regulatory uh, uh, jurisdictions has really uh, differentiated us as a company relative to to a number of our peers in this space that we have access to now, actually in fact to, to release that overflow or oversupply of the Canadian market uh, into these different uh, international jurisdictions uh, now obviously as we've discussed and as you'll see uh, a number of contracts uh, with smaller volumes uh, but all uh, starting to uh, as early as, as, as the last couple of weeks are looking like uh, the volumes will be increasing and specifically in the back end of the year uh, there's an important piece of obviously our vision and our strategy which has not changed from day one and we feel it is the right strategy actually to continue uh into the long term uh the Canadian market has always been our first priority uh however now when we look at the international market it creates a much larger uh, total addressable market and opportunity for us going into the future uh, namely in the back half of the year finally finalizing there
7: okay thanks for that. that that's great color um it's just shifting a bit here on margins on a near-term basis do you expect the headwinds and what you're seeing in your, your private label and bulk business to continue to put pressure on margins moving ahead, or will white label and international start to offset that on a near-term basis?
2: No, it's a great question, Adam. Thank you. Uh, I'll get to, to Bobby for this one. Thank
3: you. Yeah, so Adam, um, to your question, I think, you know, given the headwinds that we're all facing, uh, with the added uncertainty with COVID at the moment, I think the question of when is is more difficult uh, to sort of comment, quite honestly, but uh, what I can comment on certainly is on the sort of the what uh, in terms of the drivers and the areas that we're really, really keenly focused on in terms of trying to enhance and drive margin improvements. And they fall under sort of several buckets for me, and that's of key uh, priority for all of us. And, uh, And one is really just echoing some of the themes that was mentioned earlier whereby us, you know, leveraging our sort of very sharp and world-class R&D capabilities, we're trying to diversify it and broaden our product offerings through innovation new product development, which hopefully will go up the food chain, uh, and that includes things like, you know, the Medifarm-branded products in a very targeted, selective way. So doing that will obviously hopefully add to the mix. Certainly, you know, uh, as we've echoed a few times, We're going to build out uh, and push out aggressively on the international side where it's clearly all medical focus and with, at the moment, much higher margin profile. So, again, uh, that will enhance that profile. And certainly, not least, but, you know, a relentless focus within the business around cost-saving containment, cost reduction initiatives, and cash preservation. So, all to say, Adam, um, you know, certainly uh, my expectation is that as we look to sort of the back half of this year and as we exit the year, certainly we will improve the margin structure. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the step that we took in terms of the inventory write-down is also obviously part and parcel of uh, a step in that direction to help right-size our cost base to reflect the market dynamics. So at least in the near term, yeah, you'll see some you know, uh, progress, but I think you'll see a, a pickup in that progress as, as a function of all these measures that I spoke to sort of coming together and gathering some momentum uh, in the back half.
7: Okay, that's great, color. thanks.
1: And again, if you'd like to ask a question, that's star one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from the line of Aaron Gray from Alliance Global Partners. Your line is open.
8: Hi, good morning and thanks for the questions. Um, first off for me, I uh, just want to go back to you know finished formulations you know white label products you know made up thirteen percent of revenues this quarter um, and you mentioned next quarter you' know already seeing more uh, in terms of shipments about double as you added on about eight SKUs Uh just want to get some further color in terms of you know what you've seen you know from repurchase orders I guess sell through from the SKUs you've already launched to date and how best to think about the growth for that white label category um, you know in terms of Continuing repurchases of existing, you know, SKUs and additional SKUs, you know, as we look for that business to evolve over the next couple of quarters. Thank you.
3: Thanks so much, I'm sure I was sure
2: to pass it over to, uh, to Keith to start uh, answering that question. Thank you.
5: Thanks, Aaron. Great, uh, great to hear from you. So, yeah, I think um, you know we did see on that on those white label products uh, an uptake, uh, an uptick in kind of the percentages, um, as uh, Pat mentioned. Uh, looking at multiple products going forward. Um, Q1, we've launched over five SKUs. Since then, we're, we've launched another three. So our new product commercialization team is, is working rapid fire to uh, meet market demand and really fill gaps where we see them, such as the health and wellness side of the uh, adult use market here in Canada. So there, I think that we'll continue to see that uptake, just kind of um, uh anecdotally um, as far as like shipments leaving our dock and sell through uh without you know getting right into the stats um, we're seeing uh double the amount on a weekly basis going out uh to distributors and retailers uh from q one to q two so we expect that that ramp up uh to continue uh throughout the year. So we're building those relationships. We are we you know we're we just started in the of end product distribution arena in january so you know as a, a leader in the space this is a little bit of a, of a new part to us just this year in 2020 and i think we're doing quite well seeing that growth from january to today and increasing those shipments and i love seeing those skids uh, leave the building every
8: day absolutely no and and that's great to hear in terms of those kind of sell-through rates, kind of seemingly uh, increasing. Uh, a second question for me would, you know, just be around uh, probably the, sh- the Shoppers Mart. Um, you know, it's been great, you know, for your own, you know, products. There's kind of any update that you're seeing there in terms of, you know, how that partnership has kind of evolved and you know, it's kind of helped you to get into the medical side, you know, without your own kind of license. So any update on what you're seeing there um, and expectations kind of going forward in the near term? Thank you.
2: Yes, thanks so much Aaron. This is, uh, this is one of the most exciting new segments of the market that we're actually uh, putting significant resources behind. Uh, obviously, uh, Shoppers is one of the most uh, highly respected uh, medical distribution groups in, in, in cannabis now in Canada, uh, and it's been great to, uh, to further accelerate our relationship with them. Uh, we're the first company actually to have uh, our, our vape skews added to the, to the shelf at Shoppers. Uh, now, as you've seen, we've got a number of other products, including uh, topicals uh, with another one of our uh, CMO partners. Uh, and now even more exciting for from our perspective is uh, the launch of our two new SKUs. Uh, of the Medifarm brand portfolio, one being a uh, very high quality uh, CBD oil, 25 to, to one, uh, which is now available. And we've already seen uh, to the reordering actually accelerate significantly faster than we originally expected. Uh, I think it's because first uh, the, 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 the logo of the Medifarm falling leaf has actually now created a great adhesion with our customer base as a high quality provider. Uh, as well as uh, our products being competitively priced now in, in that segment. Uh, we've also just now released uh, our next follow-on product to this, uh, which gives patients another opportunity for a higher dose of CBD uh, on a daily basis with the, uh, with the 50 to 1. Uh, both of these products being full-spectrum, uh, so added, added uh, efficacy relative to some of the isolate-based products that are available now. And also, very exciting for us is that we transition these products not only uh, for distribution in Canada, uh, but also for our our international deals, which uh, we're excited to uh, disclose a couple of these new deals where these products in particular will be moved uh, outside of the country.
8: All right, great. Thanks for
6: that,
2: Claude. That's super helpful. Thank you so much.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was our final question for today. I would now like to turn the call back to Pat McCutcheon, Chief Executive Officer, for closing remarks.
2: Thank you so much, Operator. Uh, I will close by saying we really look forward to hosting our second quarter conference call in August. Uh, and keeping current with you on all of our progress in between. Uh, we're also very excited uh, for both our near-term and long-term opportunities in Canada, but as we continually signal through the, uh, through the, uh, the call and the, and the question and answer period, the, uh, the international opportunities. Uh, we feel very strongly that on the heels of these two GMP certifications, uh, that many labs is significantly differentiated uh, and that we're going to be able to position with a very strong uh, back half of the year uh, we're excited to keep everyone uh, update with our with our new uh, with our new disclosures as we move forward thank you so much everybody make sure we stay safe and have a great day thank you
1: ladies and gentlemen this concludes today's conference call thank you for participating you may now disconnect